Good morning, everyone. I think it's a pretty bold strategy to be picking at the guy that's going to have the microphone for the next 30, 45 minutes <laughs> to an hour. Blake? Uh, no, I, I mean, it is an honor to be here and, uh, and to speak uh, this morning. Thank you so much uh, for allowing me this opportunity. We're going to be in, uh, in John chapter 4, finishing up that. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there uh, with us. John chapter 4, going to be at the end of uh, the chapter, starting in verse 46. Um, John chapter 4, starting in verse 46. I'm going to read, if you'll read along with us. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea, uh, Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from, Gal from Judea to Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you this morning and we are humbled to be able to dig into your word, Father, and to receive the message that you have for us today. And I pray, God, that, um, that we would not miss it, Lord, that, that it would be your words coming out of my mouth, Father, and, and not mine, Lord. I pray that, um, that you would use me and that you would speak uh, clearly through me, Father, and that you would open our, our eyes, our, our hearts, and our ears to hear and see the message that you have before us today, Father. We thank you again for allowing us to gather to worship you and to praise you and to give you the glory that you deserve. And we ask that that be done this morning. We love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing this uh, John series as we walk through uh, the, the book of John, the gospel of John together, and we are uh, finishing up chapter four together today. Uh, last week, if you were here, uh, Pastor Blake took on the first probably three-fourths of the chapter uh, of, of John, chapter four of John, and it was uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful text. It's such a beautiful passage. If you missed it last week, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to the passage there as we, um, as Pastor Blake articulated so well, Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well, and such an incredible account of how Jesus steps into our spaces and, and invades our space, our soul, and, and sees the deepest places that, that we don't put on Instagram and that we don't put on Facebook. And yet, even in those moments, still pursues after us and, and loves us anyways and has chosen to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for us anyways, despite our shame of our sin and our, uh, our faulty religious efforts that we put forth sometimes. And he forgives us when we repent. And this in and of itself, that is the mystery of the gospel that Paul proclaims. Knowing who we truly are in our deepest, darkest places and yet still 
Jesus dies on our behalf to pay the penalty that we owe for our sin. And what, a, what an incredibly beautiful exchange that that is. An exchange for all who believe. Our sin, our death, for his peace, his joy, his salvation, his life. Which brings us to uh, the first point that we see in the text today. The first point is the gospel is effective for everyone who believes. The gospel is effective for everyone who believes. And we see this in, in verse 46. He says, so he came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And, and this official is one who is for the, the Roman government. He, he recognized he had nowhere else to turn. He recognized he had nowhere else to go. He was a wealthy man. He was a man of privilege being an official for the Roman government. And he had most likely tried all uh, other arenas to save his son. And he came to the point of recognizing that it was only Jesus who could provide what he needed. And so he turns to this Roman official, turns to this Jewish man, who, by the way, the Romans were ruling the Jews at the time. And so this official, he turns to, he humbles himself and turns to Jesus and goes to this Jew for help. And, and what does Jesus do? What is his response? In verse 40, 48, he says, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And, and at first when I read this, I thought it was almost in a condescending way. Like I, I've typically read it like, well, you're not going to believe me if I tell you. So uh, if I just say it, so I've got to do this sign and wonder so that you will see. But, but really what Jesus is articulating for us to see is that Jesus stepped into that space for the Roman official to be what he needed in that moment so that he could see who Jesus truly was. He had to step into that space to heal the official's son, to bring him back to life so that the official could then see who Jesus truly was, and that is the Messiah. It was not just the healing that Jesus was pointing to to say, I have power, which he does, but it is the healing that pointed him to to say, what I say about who I am is true, and that is I am God in flesh, and that is I am God's son sent to die on the cross, and three days later, I will be raised from the dead. And in me and only in me can you find true salvation and true life. And so it wasn't just that one miracle. It was the miracle of, uh, of the raising what seemed like going to be the dead to life so that he could point the official and what we'll see later, all of his household towards the Messiah. And, and this isn't the first time that Jesus did this to, to someone that, that Jewish people normally wouldn't have any reason to reach out to and any reason to save for any reason. And we see that earlier in, in, uh, in John chapter three, Jesus brings the gospel to a respected Jewish teacher. Uh, earlier in chapter four, Jesus brings the gospel, the good news that he is the Messiah to the outcast Samaritan woman. And then in today's text, he brings the gospel to a Gentile official working for the Roman government. And so in the gospel of John, Jesus is recorded over and over going to different races, genders, economic statuses to be who they need him to be in the moment in order that they may see him for who he truly is and be saved by the grace of God given them through faith in Jesus. Somebody's here today and you need to hear that message. That, that you're not too bad, you're not too self-centered, 
You don't have too much stuff in your past. You're not too poor. You're not too black. You're not too white. Jesus is exactly who and what you need. So we go to him, we press into him, and there's there and only there will you discover he is all that you need. And sometimes that means, like in today's text, that he will heal. Sometimes that means that he will provide. Sometimes that means that he will redeem. But sometimes that's not the case. Ultimately, what it does mean is that in Jesus, you you find in Jesus what brings God the most glory. And that brings you the most satisfaction and purpose in this life. And we must not get that message confused, though, with with popular beliefs today claiming uh, of the health and wealth that if you believe, God will give you the things of this world that you want. That's not it. Those are lies from the enemy. Can God? Absolutely. Will God? Only God knows. But, but what he does promise is that health uh, of re- the redeeming of our bodies and of our souls will come at the second coming of Christ. It might not come today. It might not come on this earth. But when he sends his son to rid of all evil and rid of all sin of this earth in the second coming of Christ to bring earth back to the original intention of pure holiness, that, that's when we find that. But it might not be in this life. It might be in the future of walking with Jesus in heaven. But this also means when we see uh, that Jesus approaches all people, what it also means for us is that Jesus is what your neighbor needs. Jesus is what your coworker needs. Jesus is what the man on the, on the corner needs that you avoid eye contact with. You see, we're all sinners in need of a savior. We're all people created by God who have fallen to the standard that he set in place. And we all need Jesus. May we be the ones that usher those who are in our sphere of influence towards a relationship with Jesus and not away from and not get in the way of. And so we come to the second point in the text today. The gospel is effective for everyone who believes out of desperation. The gospel is effective for everyone who believes out of desperation, starting in verse 47. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. This ruling official, literally a person of royalty, probably had everything at his fingertips, not having a want or need for for his life until his son became ill. Then all of a sudden, money can't buy you health. Money can't buy you salvation. It can't bring the dead to life. And so this man, exhausting all of his efforts, has heard about this Jesus, has heard about this man, this Jew who had been healing people and who had been bringing people to life, claiming to be the Messiah. That's all he had left. That's all he had left. So this man, this Roman official, travels from Capernaum to Cana, which is somewhere around 20 miles, to find this man, Jesus, to plead with him, to beg with him, to come and heal his son. 
to come and heal his son. And I don't know about you, but when my, my understanding of this text has changed over the years. My son Judah is about two, and um, man, he is a joy. He is all boy. And we've, uh, unfortunately, in the, in the past few months, we've had a couple of instances where um, I've, I've witnessed him having a seizure. Um, and, and man, that'll change your perspective. You will do anything you can to stop your child from, from going through that. And then, yes, uh, a, a, uh, not too long ago, I got the honor and privilege to go on a boat with Judah for the first time and got to see him uh, just enjoying everything that the river was about. And then we got on an inner tube for the first time. And he's like two and a half. He doesn't know how to swim. And so I'm on the inner tube with him and we both got life jackets on, but that doesn't matter. I'm still freaking out at the thought of Judah falling off into the water and I'm going, okay, if he falls off into the water, what if he can't flip his head over and he's just face down in the water and I've just gone too far away to get to, like, and I'm trying to enjoy this moment with my son, like have joy and fun. But at the same time, I'm going, I cannot let him get in the water. I will do anything I can to keep him out of the water. And my son being a cautious but crazy kid begins to reach over the tube while we're going in the boat. He's reaching to touch the water. He just wants to touch the water. I'm just freaking out. I'm like, no, don't touch the water. So thankfully, he didn't fall in. Uh, but that whole time I'm thinking, I will, I will do anything I can to keep him from getting in the water. I will make him upset. I will make him angry at me because I don't want him to go through what I think might happen. And I want to protect him and I want to save him. And this man, I can just, oh, I can't even imagine what he's going through. Having gone through every situation that he possibly can to save his son, he's like, I'm desperate. I've got nothing left but this man, Jesus. And I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to Cana where he is and I'm gonna check it out and, and maybe he'll come and maybe he'll save my son. Maybe he'll save my son. But it's not just from a dad's perspective that we see this account that we can talk about from the spiritual perspective. And, and in my life, I had tracked down what I thought would work for me, what I thought would bring peace in my life, what I thought would bring joy in my life, and what I thought I needed. And for different seasons of my life, it was different things. When I was uh, a teenager and uh, uh, high schooler, middle schooler, what I thought that was was obedience. What I thought that was was following the rules, doing everything right, and making sure that I don't mess up. And I thought that that would earn me the righteousness, earn me the favor, earn me joy in my life and purpose. What I found out when I got to college was that was not true. And then I switched routes and I tried to pursue all of my wants and all of my desires. And I, and I decided to do everything that I felt like I wanted in the moment, that that would bring me some sort of satisfaction in life, bring me some sort of purpose, allow me to see who I really am. And I found out that that wasn't true either. I found out that that wasn't true either, but it wasn't either one of those things. It was only when I came to the point of realizing what I was looking for was only found in the presence of Jesus. Forgiveness and, rede and redemption are found only by putting my hope and salvation, hope for salvation, real peace, full joy in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Only then did I actually find it what I was ultimately looking for. And the same is true for you. There's only one place that you'll find what you need above everything else. 
It won't be into giving yourself to other people outside of the marital context. It won't be in that pornography that we're so, our culture is so wrapped up in. It won't be in drinking too much wine. It won't be in spreading the latest gossip about the other person that we sometimes find so much joy in. Joy. But, but ultimately what it is, it is, it is only found in our desperate realization that the only shot that we have for redemption, the only shot that we have for salvation is in Jesus. That's it. And he's all that we needed from the beginning. So we come to the last point. The gospel is effective for everyone who believes the words of Jesus. For everyone who believes the words of Jesus. 50 through 54 says, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. And I love this. I love it. The, the man believed Jesus. He trusted that his son would live simply based on the words of Christ. If you remember shortly before that in, in the earlier verses, the man had pleaded with Jesus, come, come to my son and, and when you get there, you can heal him. That's what he thought that Jesus had to do, still believing in the power of Jesus, still believing in that Jesus could heal him, or, or at least hoping he would. But then Jesus does what Jesus always does. And he does what the man needed, but then a little bit more. Then a little bit more. He, he healed his son, but only by his words. He didn't even have to go. And so he revealed to him saying, your son will be healed, go. And the man left believing that his son would be healed. The moment Jesus spoke it, the boy was healed. There was no formula, there was no recipe, no to-do list. Jesus said it and it happened. He is the word in flesh. Jesus is that guy. John chapter one tells us that. The word of God in flesh. God speaks it, it happens. So we look to verse 52 and 53 again. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live, and he himself believed in all his household. So in verse 53, the father remembers that Jesus said to him that his son would be healed at that exact time, bringing forth faith in Jesus. In verse 50, we see that the, the official had already professed faith in Jesus. He had already believed that Jesus would heal him. But when he witnessed the healing power of Jesus, that's when he gained more faith. He pressed in even more to trusting the words of Jesus to the point that his entire household believed as well. So when you see it, the healing power of Jesus, redeeming power of Jesus, peace-giving, life-expressing, joy-filling power of Jesus, there is nothing left but to give him all the glory and share this with others. 
And today is the day to respond to the Lord. He is what you were looking for. Draw back to him if you've stepped away. Draw to him for forgiveness and redemption of a relationship to God if you have never done that. And all that means is you ask God to forgive you for the times you have been selfish and prideful, thinking you know better than he knows. Ask him to save you from your sins and then praise him for saving you in your seat today because when he says it, it is done. So in just a few moments, when Pastor Blake will be leading us in the Lord's Supper, while we who are followers of Jesus partake in this together, I want you to really take time to consider what you are doing in that moment. And if you are here and you're not a follower of Jesus, while the people around you are doing this, consider why we are partaking of this moment. You see, the Lord's Supper is that physical reminder of what Jesus went through to prove to the world that he is exactly what we need, exactly what we are searching for, exactly what we are seeking to find. Salvation, purpose, joy, peace. He, he is what you are looking for. He is what you need. You see, Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection does a miracle of miracles to prove to the world that he is that. And he substitutes himself for his people to save them from their own sins when he had none. And what an exchange. What a miracle. That is the gospel. And let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your son, Jesus. We are so thankful for the text today, reminding us that, that you are all that we need, that only in you will we find what we are searching for. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone in here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that you would reveal yourself to them in a way that they would see you for who you truly are just like you did to the Roman official, that you would give them what they need now so they can see who you really are. And Father, I pray that you would bring us all to a point of repentance, all to a point of seeking holiness above all things. We love you and we praise you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.